Well, good morning. Uh, my name is Jarrett Stevens. I'm one of the lead pastors here at Soul City Church, and uh, I'm thrilled to be with you today as we continue in our Real Talk series, where we're having real talk, honest talk about big questions that we have about faith, about God, about specifically today the Bible, and how does that all fit in together. And I, I hope this is an encouraging time for you where you not only hear about, but actually are uh, experiencing the love and the presence of God, and that you would leave here different than you actually walked in. I want to let you know, we're, I'm going to offer as best I can share with you uh, what the Bible says really is the point of the Bible today. We're going to look at the Bible and see what it says about itself and what is the point of it all. And I want to offer you a really clear next step, something you can do. In fact, something any one of us and every one of us can do when you leave here today to engage the Bible maybe differently than you ever have before. This last week, I came across something that I... Uh, I didn't know it was a thing, but then I found out it was a thing, and I was encouraged that it's a thing, but I just didn't know it was a thing before this week. I, I, I found online uh, Yelp reviews of our church. I didn't know that was a thing. <laughs> I didn't know. I thought that was just for like restaurants and chiropractors. I had no idea that there was, but there's a lot, I guess. And so, and, and what was really encouraging once I found that this was a thing, it was actually a really good thing. There was a lot of great reviews of our church. I was really encouraged. And so I wanted to read to you one of our most recent Yelp reviews. Maybe this will be a feature every sermon that we offer every week. And <laughs> I want to just read this to you. And, uh, and I, I love this person's honest uh, expression of their experience at Soul City Church. They said this, uh, and this is, what, this is how they open. Well, it ain't like the church I grew up in. <laughs> Good start. I mean, at least it go either way. Yeah. Well, well, let's see. I mean, really, because that... Uh, and then they said, but it's a feel-good, bring-your-own-coffee kind of gathering. <laughs> okay. That's, we'll count that as positive, I suppose. And then this is really great. This is how I know. Uh, in all caps, they wrote, I'm glad I went. And then they wrote dot, 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 cuz, C-U-Z, cuz it reminded me of what so many miss by not going to church on a regular basis. Now, this is really cool. The folks I went with said it prompted them to go back to the roots of their faith life which they had fallen away from. That's really cool. It's a story of a lot of folks in our church. And then at the end, it goes on to say, all thanks to this pop-up church. <laughs> well, that's not all. One star. <laughs> One star, folks, on that review. And so I don't know, what's my, I don't know this is a thing. Am I supposed to like write back as management and say, we'll try harder next week? I don't, <laughs> I don't know what I'm supposed to do with that now. But, uh, but that's a thing, apparently. And I, you know, I think it's actually really interesting, given what we're going to be talking about today. I want to just see by show of hands, how many of you within the last month have used a Yelp review to help you make a decision about a restaurant or a place to, or a thing to do in the city? Just raise your hand. Oh, that's a lot of folks. Okay, great. Uh, how many of you have, within the last month, based a purchase that you've made on customer reviews, like on Amazon or some other site, you read what other people wrote, and so that's why you bought the book or the, awesome, the ping pong table that you bought. That's great. Uh, you based it on that. Okay, uh, last thing, show of hands, how many of you have used Google Maps or some Maps app to get somewhere in the last month? Raise your hand. Oh, obviously. Well, looks like it turned out great because you're here, you made it, and made it back from there. That's awesome. It's pretty interesting to consider how much we've really based a lot of what we do on other people's truths. I don't know if you've ever thought about that before in your life. The number of things you do and decisions you make and the way you go about doing what you do and purchases that you make and places that you go based on other people's truths. You trust people you've never met, 
never seen, will never have a conversation with, you base what you do on their truth. That's pretty interesting, isn't it? I mean, think about it. Like you trusted your phone to take you somewhere you'd never been before. And it did. You trusted someone to help you buy the car seat, your first car seat for your kid. And so you read all the reviews and they said, if you don't buy this one, and if you don't, you're a bad parent. So you, you bought that car seat or you've, you've listened to or you've read some thoughts from some guru, a supposed guru. And so you've made even relationship decisions that based on someone else's truth that you've never met, will never meet, will never have relationship. And yet their truths have shaped what you do. Have you ever thought about whose truths are shaping you? What truths are shaping you? A lot of what we do is based on someone else's truth, which I think is actually brings us to a great place to start in an honest, real talk kind of conversation about the Bible and the truth of the Bible. And what is it we are supposed to do with the Bible? So here's what I want you to do, if you would, please. Would you grab a Bible? If you have yours with you, great. If not, would you grab one? And I'm not going to force you to open it or read it, but would you grab it? Just humor me, kind of do a help me help you thing. I want to point out an illustration. Grab a Bible if you have it on your phone. Open that app, but just that app, please. Uh, Here in the auditorium, it's in the seat backs. If you're in our overflow space, it's under your seat. You can grab one of these gray Bibles. Everyone grab a Bible, and I want you to hold a Bible before you open it. Before I tell you what page number or what chapter and verse to go to, I want you to just hold this Bible and look at it for a moment. You know, you're holding within your hands the most unique book in all of human history. I don't know if you've ever thought about the Bible before you cracked it open or started reading it or felt guilty for not reading it enough. Just before you even open it, just consider this. There's no other book like this. No other book like this in the world. No other book like this throughout all of human history. In fact, I want to just walk through a few of the unique things about the Bible that maybe you just heard but forgot or never even knew before. A couple really interesting things about the Bible. First of all, you may or may not know this. The Bible is one complete work, but it's broken into two distinct parts. There's the Old Testament, and then there's the, anyone want to guess? See, you guys are Bible scholars. You already know this stuff. That's right. So two parts, and both kind of unique and distinct within and amongst themselves. This is interesting. I don't know if you knew this. There are 66 different books within the Bible, 66 unique and different distinct books. Listen to this. And 40 unique writers. There's 40 unique writers that contribute to the Bible. Best we can count, best we can tell. Here's what's so interesting. Written over three different languages. So again, this is one work, but over the course of its time, written in three different languages that all make up this one unique book. Now, this is really interesting. It took over 1,600 years from the kind of the time we first understand people were writing and recording down what God was saying to kind of what we have is what we understand to be the Bible. It took 1,600 years. So all of this over the course of 1,600 years. Now this fall, I'm so excited. I have a book that I've been working on for the last four years. Finally comes out this fall. Can't wait to share it with you. So excited. It's taken me four years to finish. And if you know me and you've known me over the last four years, it has been a monkey on my back. I have not, I've just felt, oh, this is taking forever. This is taking forever. But according to this, I'm doing great. (laughs) I am way ahead of the curve on this book. So 1600 years. And this is really interesting. Printed over 6 billion times. Name another book that's been printed 6 billion times. That's with a B. And that's before it was an app. (laughs) Think about that. Hundreds of millions of downloads. 
just in the last couple years, last five years. I mean, can you think of another book like this book? One more thing about kind of its unique attributes and distinction among any other book in the world. This book uh, claims to be inspired by God, that you can actually hear from God when you read this book, that the Holy Spirit of God actually works as you read this book to illuminate the things that were written over 1,600 years and 66 different books and 40 different authors, that, that that's actually what is going on, that God is speaking to you through this book. I mean, I'm telling you, this book is unlike any other book you're going to find in the world. With this book, this book you're holding in your hands, wars have been waged over this book. This book that you're holding in your hands actually has been used to broker peace. This, the teachings and wisdom of this book has brought nations who are at war to peace. That book you're holding in your hand is used at the inauguration of presidents, the coronation of kings and queens, and it's the same book that Death row inmates are read to as they take their last breath. Do you know any other book like this book? Any other book that claims to be all that this book actually is? I mean, it has been the source text for humanity for over 3,500 years. It has stood at the center of the human experience. This one book, so deep and complex that people have dedicated their entire lives to studying this one book. In fact, there is no book that has more books written about it than this book. Did you know that there are some people who actually are paid a salary to read this book and then talk about it in front of people? Can you believe someone gets paid to do that? Me. That's me, guys. That's my job. It's pretty amazing, actually, to consider this book. No other book like it. And rather than trying to go on to convince you of why you should believe all the things that it says to be true about itself and why you got to kind of, you know, there, there's all kinds of experts that can break that down, do a much better job than I could of, of trying to convince you or prove to you why you have to believe the Bible. I, I want to actually, over the course of the next few moments, just take a much more practical approach to this central spiritual book. I want to take a real kind of brass tacks, practical look at the Bible and see if we might need to shift how we've been viewing it and specifically what we're actually doing with this book. So what I want you to do is I want you to turn to James chapter 1. We're going to look at a very practical teaching about the Bible. In the gray Bibles that you have, if you have that out, if you want, you can turn to page 847. Let me give you some quick context to James chapter 1. This is really interesting. It makes James unique as one of the 40 unique writers of the Bible. James is actually the brother of Jesus. That gives him a very unique perspective, the brother of Jesus. Now, this is really interesting. We've talked about this before. I just want you to pause and think about the reality of being the brother of Jesus. What would it take for you to be convinced that your brother was the savior of the world? Like, what would your brother have to do for you to go, I don't know, oh, you're the savior of the world? Because I just remember he was the guy who used to give me wedgies and we used to fight over the top bunk. Like, what would it take for you to be convinced that your older brother was a savior? Well, that's James's story, actually. We don't hear much at all about James directly through the four gospel accounts, it's only after the death and resurrection of Jesus that James puts his faith in his brother as the savior of the world. After seeing Jesus do what he said he would do, James said, you are not only my brother, you are my savior and my Lord. And James emerges as a leader within the first church and he writes this, we only have one book from James, but it's one of my favorite books in the Bible. And, and it's so incredibly practical 
such a great place to kind of start understanding the heart of what it means to actually do something with this book. And so we're going to look at what James says and what the Bible says is the point of the Bible in verse 22. This is what James, brother of Jesus, says. He says this, don't merely listen to the word, the word there being another word for the Bible. So he says, don't just listen to this. Don't just kind of look at it. Don't just listen to it and deceive yourselves. That's pretty strong language. Don't just think that that is the point. James goes on to tell you very clearly what the point is. He says these four words, do what it says. James says, you want to know what the point of the Bible is? The the point of the Bible is is not to just sort of sit in some sort of passive receptivity and just kind of hear and go, oh, that's great, that's great. The point of the Bible is action and activity. That's the point of the Bible. In, In fact, James just goes on to say and says very, very, very plainly and very, very clearly that... The, the Bible is really, if, if you were to break it down sort of and try to understand it as, as best you can, this is what James would say. This is what the Bible says about itself. It says that the Bible equals this. Doing is greater than hearing. Remember greater than, less than? James says, all right, for all you math nerds out there, this is the Bible. This is the point. This is the purpose. Doing is greater than hearing. Hearing's great. Hearing's fine, but doing's better. Hearing is great, and it's been maybe even a long time since you've sat and listened to or read the teaching of the Bible. That's fantastic. It's a great place to start. But James says doing is actually greater than hearing. Remember what James said? He says don't merely just be listeners of the word and so deceive yourselves, but actually do what it says. This is what's so amazing is that James is speaking to us. He is so ahead of the curve. He is so ahead of his times in what he's saying right here. He's speaking directly into our culture as well as his in that day. Now, let me give you context. When James says, don't just hear the Bible, don't just hear the word, let me just help you understand what he's referring to in that day. They didn't have the Bible like nicely packaged with lots of different pretty covers and all kinds of different versions. At that point, when James is writing these words, they had the Old Testament and it was written on scrolls and there were not six billion copies. There were a few and they were held by religious leaders in that day and so it was a very special thing. It was not easy to get access to the Bible. The, 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 the teachings of Jesus that we call the four gospel accounts that we look at and they're in this Bible that you're holding right now, those weren't all being written down yet. And so a lot of that was just sort of orally passed from followers and friends who were there with Jesus. I mean, it was just a lot of this one time Jesus, this one time Jesus said, there's just a lot of that going on. So they started writing all that down. In fact, there was one recent convert to the Christian faith. His name was Paul, and he was writing letters to the churches about what it means to do and not just hear, to fully become all of who God created us to be and what we do in this life with him. But those weren't considered the Bible yet. Those were just letters that were being passed around. And so... James says, listen, even all that we have, as hard as it was for them to even have access to the Bible, he goes, look, it's, it's, there's more than just hearing. Doing is always greater than hearing. And I'm telling you, 2,000 years ago, he was way ahead of his time. He was speaking to us. Because somehow in our day and age, we've sort of created a culture, we've created a culture around ourselves that honestly has confused hearing and doing. We live in an information overload age, and so we just kind of assume that hearing something is the same as actually doing it or applying. We've created a culture where where we believe that that having a Bible is the same as reading a Bible, right? So maybe you have a Bible. That doesn't necessarily mean that you read it. I look like I have 
I have 30 Bibles on my shelf upstairs. I'm, does that make me a super Christian? Oh, it just means I have a lot of Bibles. And we've confused having a Bible with actually reading the Bible or engaging the Bible. We, we've created a, a culture for ourselves where we, we, you know, we kind of mixed up and gotten confused where we believe that good intentions are as good as action. Let me say that again. We've created a culture where we believe that good intentions are as good as actions. I really want to. I really mean to. I'm planning to. That's a very different thing than, than doing. We've created a culture where we think that hearing a sermon like this is kind of the point, right? Go to church. I mean, it's a big deal for you to get to church today. You made it. You look great, by the way. So you made it here. And that's, isn't that kind of what God wants? I went to church and I, I listened to like the most, a, a good percentage of the sermon. And I only checked my email twice, like four times. I checked my email <laughs> twice. I mean, I, that, God, that's got to be worth something. And so we think that the point is to earn points with God by showing up to church. James says, don't deceive yourself. You're just hearing a sermon. That's great. Sermons are great. I, I mean, if you think this one's great, leave us a great Yelp review afterwards. <laughs> but James says, doing is greater. Doing is actually what's greater than... Now, look, just honest. I'm someone who gives... You know, I'm someone who talks about this stuff. I'll, I'll be honest with you. I'll go first and say, I like hearing way more than doing. It's much easier for me to nod my head to a sermon than it is to change my habits. And I love doing that, what you just did. I love when you do that for me. I love that sound. Mm, we call it the Christian cow. Mm, so good. I love it. I love it. Tamara, no? All right, no. Listen, I love it. But it is a whole lot easier for me to go, oh, that's good, that's good, that's good, than actually following through with good action and following through and saying, no, God, that's for me. And here's what I'm going to do about it. I, I, I would much rather listen and hear than actually commit to doing. And I don't think I'm the only one. And so James goes on to say, look, I know, I know. Let me paint a picture for you. I was real honest in that last verse. He kind of said it like it was. James says, all right, I'll paint a picture for you. And I love this in verse 23 and 24. He says, okay, this is what it's like. Anyone who listens to the word, who listens to the Bible, but does not do what it says is like someone who looks at their face in the mirror and then goes away and immediately forgets what they look like. That's an interesting little metaphor. Let's unpack that for a second. He goes, this is what it's like. Anyone who listens and goes, oh, that's good, that's good, that's good, that's good, but then doesn't do anything about it. It's like someone who looks in the mirror in the morning and then forgets everything they saw in the mirror. So just quick raise of hands. How many of you at some point this morning and getting ready looked in a mirror? Just raise your hand. I'm not going to ask how long. All right, good. Yeah, because we all do it differently. We all do different things. I mean, all of us have different things that we do, you know, and that we have laid out for us, and all your tools that you have laid out for you in the morning in front of the mirror, right, that you have. We all do that differently. Look, we have two kids. We have a boy and a girl. Our girl, for whatever reason, I'm not saying this, for whatever reason, she takes a good amount of time in the bathroom. She takes a significant amount of time looking in the mirror. She doesn't even wear makeup. <laughs> She's just in there making faces in the mirror. She got that from me. I mean, that's, we share that in common. So she's just in there kind of making faces in the mirror and kind of doing her hair and doing stuff. And she takes, she takes a little bit of time. Our son, I don't even know if he turns the light on when he goes <laughs> in the bathroom, based not on how he looks and how that bathroom looks. I'm not even sure that he even turns the light on. He doesn't spend a lot of time in front of the mirror. We all kind of do different things in front of the mirror, but let me just unpack what James is saying here. Okay, so uh, maybe this has happened to you before. You've ever had where you went to like a fair or a club or something like that, you got the stamp on your hand, right? From, and then you went to bed, 
you fell asleep on your hands, or you took a nap or whatever, and then you woke up and it was all, has this ever happened to anyone before? Okay, so you got the stamp now is on your face, and what you realize is you didn't know that that ink was transferable, and so now you have a big red splotch on the side of your face. So imagine when you, if you, that happened to you this morning, so you got up and, and you looked in the mirror, you went, whoa, whoa, what is that? Is that a rash? What is that? Oh, it's from the thing with the, oh, okay. I should do something about that. And then you leave. Walk away from the mirror. And just forget that you even have it. And so you're walking out, about to leave the house, and your spouse goes, hey, honey, sweetie, sweetie, sweetie honey. Um, do you have, like a, you have like a thing? I don't know, it's like a red, looks like a, like a reversed stamp on your face. Oh, yeah. You say, I saw that this morning. That's right. Thank you so much. I really, I, I want, I've been meaning to do something about that. Thank you for sharing that with me. And thank you for the grace in which you brought that to me. I really do want to work on that. I mean, we both have work to do. We both have work to do. But I do want to, I want to do something about that. Thank you. Can you help me with that? Sure. And then let's say, let's say you went to work. So let's you went to work today, and your coworker sees you, and they go, hey, buddy, hey, hey, looks like you got a thing, like a, like a reverse stamp is on your face. I don't know what that is. You go, oh, my gosh, yes, thank you so much. My wife and I were talking about that this morning. Uh, yeah, I, you know, I'm actually, I'm working on that, actually, right now. I'm working on that in my life. I want to have it um, gone by the end of the week. I'm going to work really hard. <laughs> I kind of put a plan together. It's like, um, it's like soap and like water. I'm trying to figure it out still. But I, thank you for holding me accountable to that. I love that we have a work environment where we can be honest like this. Thank you so much. And then you leave. And then you, let's say you go to small group that night. You go to your Soul City small group and you walk into small group. Your small group is, oh, so good to see you. And then your small group is like, hey, it looks like you got like a, I don't know, like a diagonal reverse stamp on your face. I don't know exactly how to describe it other than exactly what it is. It's a diagonal reverse <laughs> stamp on your face, and you go, oh my gosh, oh, thank you. I love a community like this where we can be honest and real with each other. I just need to confess to this group, I have a red diagonal stamp on my face, and I just want, will you pray for me? Because I really need God to come through. I really need God to, I've been working on this all day, and I just... If you would pray for me, can you guys hold me accountable? Can you, just as a circle of community, can you hold me accountable to doing something about the red stamp on my face? I mean, that's really what it's all about. Teamwork makes the dream work. Would you help me actually do something about this? I mean, that sounds, that sounds absurd, doesn't it? That someone would go about their whole day doing that, right? Let me tell you what's more absurd. Is that I've grown up my whole life knowing what the Bible teaches about forgiveness. I know what forgiveness does to free my soul. I know the power that it takes away that I've wrongly given to someone else. I know how it can liberate my anxious thoughts. I know what the Bible says about forgiveness. And yet I look in the mirror and go, oh, I should really do, I should really do that. You know what? I'm going to wait till they apologize first before I do it. I'm going to talk to some friends and see if they can help me really figure out the best way to do it. I already know what the Bible says. Maybe you can relate. You know, I mean, you don't even have to read the Bible all that much to know what the Bible says about our words and the damage that your words can do, how you can tear someone down to their soul with your words. I bet you already know what the Bible says, and yet there are jokes that you've told this last week, ways that you've spoken about coworkers, ways that you've spoken about in-laws, ways that you've spoken to people you love the most, and you've watched your words 
wound them. And you know, you know, you didn't want to do that. You want to do it the right way, but for whatever reason. You knew what it said, but you still did it anyway. Or maybe for you, talking to those of you who call yourselves Christians, and you've read this, you've been around this book, you know what the Bible says about giving. You know what it says about giving and how God is so generous to us, and God has been so good to us, and you've heard me talk about it. You've maybe read the verses for yourself, and every time you're like, I know, I know, that sounds so good. I really want to do that. I just got to get some stuff sorted out first. I mean, it's kind of like someone looking in the mirror and seeing a big red diagonal stamp and going, I should really do something about that. That's what James is saying here. That's what it's like. Someone who hears, who sees, who knows, but doesn't really even ever do anything about it. God created you for so much more than that. God created you for so much more than that, just kind of delaying and putting off what your soul longs for you to do. In fact, James goes on to paint a picture of what that really looks like. And we'll close with this verse. He says, but whoever looks, and I love this, using that same image, whoever looks intently, that means with purpose, with intention, with action coming, whoever looks intently into the perfect law, that's another word to describe the Bible, the perfect law that gives freedom. I love this. He uses law and liberty in the same sentence. This law, this way of God, these things that God's invited us to do in relationship with him, whoever looks at those things, and continues in it, that's important, that's powerful, continues in it, even when it gets hard, even when it's tough, continues in it and actually does it, they will be blessed. They continue in it, not forgetting, not forgetting what they've heard, but actually doing it, they will be blessed. Isn't that amazing? God says, look, I've already given you a way to live with me, and when you do it, I will bless what you do. It's like a double blessing that you're going to get on that one because you're going to be walking in accordance with how I created you to live, and when you do, I bless it. I bless you. God says, this is what I have for you. This is actually the life that I have created for you to live with me, that when it comes to the Bible, the point of it all is that you would actually, as James says, do what it says. You wouldn't walk around with the big red diagonal stamp on your face, but you'd look and let it reflect back to you the heart of God, God's love for you, the way God's uniquely designed you, you let it reflect the truth of who you are in him back to you. And then when you see it, you would actually do something about it. See, James says it pretty simply that really when it comes to the Bible, doing is what makes the difference. You can spend the rest of your life studying and learning and memorizing. That's very important. In fact, my hunch is you've met people who know a lot about the Bible, but they don't seem to live with what they know. True? You can learn all you want, and that's fantastic. You should. It's great. But James says the point of the Bible is that doing is what makes all the difference. And this is what I love. Let me just illustrate this for you. This is what I love. So, so here's where it starts. It starts with hearing, okay? And here's the great thing. You've already done this today. You're like, check that box. You've already heard from God's word today. We taught from the Bible today. We've already heard the Bible say about itself that the point is doing, that you would actually do what it says. Now, here's the amazing thing. When you do what the Bible says, this incredible thing begins to happen. You actually become who God has created you to be. This is an amazing thing, that when you hear and then you say, you know what, I've heard it, I'm going to actually do it. I'm going to do 
what it says. This amazing thing happens. You become who God created you to be. Your being is connected to the doing that comes from the hearing. But if you stop here, you don't get to experience any of this. And here's the amazing thing. This is what I've found from being in relationship with God as long as I've been. This was so amazing. The more I become who God has created me to be, do you know what's true? The more I realize who I am in him, the more I realize what he has for me in this life and how rich and free and full this life can be, do you know what I want? I want to hear more. Tell me more, tell me more, tell me more. I have yet to run out of wisdom and life and liberty and freedom in the Bible. And I've been reading it, engaging it for a long time in my life. The hearing leads to doing. And doing actually leads to being, to becoming all of who God created you to be. And then the more you become who God created you to be, the more you want to hear, the more you want to know, the more you want to experience all of who God is and all who he created you to be. And it's all found in this unique book. Isn't that amazing? And doesn't that make you just want to go, okay, well, I wonder what is in here for me? And if that's you, and if you have a desire to know and experience God and engage this book, maybe differently. Maybe you thought this was just a bunch of history, and what is that good for? I've got to learn another stuff, a lot of other stuff. I don't need to learn all this history. Or maybe you just thought there's a bunch of like rules, and oh, man, i got enough of that at work. i got enough of that at home. I don't want to have to deal with that. I would encourage you to maybe engage this from a totally different perspective, that God actually has all that he Intend and design and desires for your life, and you can discover it and begin to work it out through hearing and doing and becoming all of who he created you to be. It's found in this book. And so if you're interested and you're like, okay, I would, I'd, I'd want to do that, but I don't own a Bible. This is a great thing. I love this about our church. If you are serious about exploring, hearing, and doing, and becoming all of God who created you to be, and you don't own a Bible, so hear me very clearly. We say this all the time. If you do not own a Bible, we want you to steal a Bible from church today. I couldn't be more serious. If you don't own a Bible, would you please do us the favor of stealing one from church today? Because you're doing yourself a favor. It's a gift of growth that God has for you. Now, listen to me. Those of you who call yourselves Christians and you've got 30 Bibles on your shelf, if you steal a Bible from church, shame on you. See, it's very different when you say it that way. But if you don't own a Bible, please steal a Bible from church. We want you to do that. And you're like, okay, that's great. I don't know. Where do I even start? This is so confusing. Where do I even start? Why are there maps? I don't understand how all this works. Am I supposed to start? I started once before, then I got to Leviticus. Whoa, you know? And I'm like, yeah, don't start at the end either. So, so, so if you're serious, you're like, I want to, I don't, I've never done this before. And guess what? You are not the only one. You're not the only one. There's a ton of folks. Finding God through this church and discovering him through this book. If you don't know where to start, you already have a head start. Start with James. Just dog-ear that page. Start with James. Maybe you read this a long time ago. Maybe you're like, okay, so maybe you've been a Christian so long, you thought like you graduated from the Bible? Like, oh, no, no, I got all that. I heard that. Like, that was like, it's a textbook. I got it. And you have yet to engage this for the freedom and fullness that God has for you. It's been a while. Go back to James. Go back to this very practical book. And here's what you could do. You, you, you could read every chapter, like it's five chapters. You read a chapter a day. Listen to me. You could just read chapter one every day this week. You'll have enough to do. You will have enough to do to go, oh man, God, really? That's what it means? I don't want to just hear this, to actually do this? Okay, now listen, I just, this is not like a guilt thing. Guilt never grows anything. This is a freedom and fullness thing. Don't you want to know? Don't you want to know more and more about who God is and his love for you? 
and how you can become all of who he created you to be. Let your hearing that you've heard today lead to doing. And I pray your doing leads to becoming, to being all of who God created to be. I'll share with you this last thing. This is something really special to me. This is the first Bible I ever had. I still have it. Very first Bible. It was given to me when I was seven years old. Uh, it's got my name in gold, which is, I always thought, like, if times got bad, I could melt it down. And <laughs> My name is in gold on the front. Here's what's hilarious. It's just the New Testament uh, with pictures, and that's in all caps. Um, but it's also in King James. Not helpful to a seven-year-old. Like, I'm still, I was just trying to learn normal English, and then I had to try and learn that. But this was given to me by Mrs. Dopart, my Sunday school teacher. And this is great. I mean, she wrote, like, I still have this. She wrote Jared, you know, to Jarrett Stevens, and then she put in quotes, a very special boy. <laughs> she was right. <laughs> the first Yelp review, it was right. <laughs> Five stars. And she wrote, with all my love, and she put her name, and then Colossians 3, 1 and 2, which has become one of my life verses. Like, she had no idea what she was giving me. And honestly, I, I had seven. I didn't know what she was giving me. But for, I don't know what your story is. You may be new to this whole thing, or maybe you've been around this book for a while. I just want to tell you from my story, someone who's had one since I was seven, I have yet in my life, I have yet to regret doing what this book says. I have yet to regret ever, ever following, trusting, I'll use one of the Bible words, obeying God. I have yet to regret a single, doing a single thing that this book has taught me. Now, I have a lot of other regrets. I have a lot of things in my life that I knew, I knew, like I was seeing it in the mirror, I knew what I was supposed to do, and I chose not to. I, I, I knew that it was going to hurt me and it was going to hurt others, but I said, oh, well, roll the dice. I'm going to do it anyway. I got a lot of regrets on that side. I have yet to regret. I have yet to regret a single thing I have done based on the teachings of this book. And here's what I'm so grateful to God for that this book teaches. For every regret I do have, this book tells me that God's grace and his love and his forgiveness, and his freedom covers it all. That's what he does. I can't do that. I can't do that. I know you've tried. I can't. This book says, here's what I'll do. I will cover over every regret. And look, you may have tried reading the Bible before, and you lost your way. You forgot about it. Do you know you can begin again? That's the beautiful thing this book teaches. You can begin again. You can start today and say, okay, I want to obey. I want to do what it actually says. That's the beautiful gift that Jesus has given us in relationship with God. That's really who's at the center of this book. And what every line, every verse, every page is about is about this one who has come so that we could actually be set free and have a relationship with the God who loves you and has given you a way to live with him. So I'm going to pray for us and then we're going to sing to this same Jesus, the son of God, who actually taught from this Bible who spoke from and spoke to and spoke about this very same Bible that you and I get to read and for whom it is all about ultimately anyway. So I'll ask if you would to stand with me and we're going to spend a moment worshiping. Let me just say this is another one of those uh, hearing versus doing things. 
would encourage you over the next few moments as we worship to not just hear the song that we're about to sing. I'd encourage you to do something. I'd encourage you to sing. I'd encourage you to open your heart and open your hands to God and say, God, I want this to be true of what you are, who you are, and what you've done for me. So let me pray for us, and then we'll worship together. Jesus, thank you that you are at the center of it all. This is really your story. It's not about me. It's about you and who you are and actually what you've done. And so thank you, Jesus, that, that you've come and that you've made a way that the cross and an empty tomb are the way that we actually have relationship with your Father in heaven. And so Jesus, thank you that you are the living word, that it's all in you and it's all about you. And so help us to come back to you today. I pray that you would open our hearts from cynicism or from God, guilt or shame maybe about the Bible. Would you free us from that? That is not what it's about. These are the words of life. And you said, God, that when we do what it says, you bless what we do. And so, God, we want to experience that and be a blessing to you and to others. So receive our worship, God, as that right now in this moment. It's to you, Jesus, Son of God, that we sing and that we pray. Amen.